So good morning and welcome again to the borough at Pittman Park. We're glad that you're with us here um, in this space as we worship this morning. And um, I want to begin by saying welcome again to this series. Um, we're in week two of a series called The Way, um, where we are journeying with Jesus um, through the season of Lent. Now, some of you uh, might not have grown up in churches where you celebrate Lent. Uh, Lent is a 40-day season of preparation that leads up to Easter Sunday. Now, um, if you're counting, let me just backtrack and say a little bit. If you're counting, um, there's like more than 40 days in Lent. And some people are like, every time you get up there, you say Lent is a 40-day season. And every time I add it up, it's like 47 well, the reason that is is because you don't count Sundays during the season of Lent because Sundays represent many Easter's. So you can break your fast um, if you're fasting or if you're taking on a spiritual discipline throughout this season, these 40 days of preparation. You can break that fast on Sundays. So Sundays don't count in the total number of 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. So uh, that's a little bit on Lent. I hope that you'll take some time um, just to reflect on your life through the season. You'll take some time uh, to look at your faith and how you can grow as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and how you can get ready for the coming of Christ on Easter Sunday, for the resurrection of Christ, excuse me, on Easter Sunday. Well, um, how many of you guys um, have ever seen um, a movie that talks about healing? You ever, you ever see a movie that talks about healing? I want to share with you this morning one of my favorite movies about healing. Um, uh, and it's really just one scene from an entire movie about healing. Uh, but we're talking about healing this morning, healing in relation to Jesus and his ministry. Um, and so I want to give you um, sort of what I think of um, when I begin to think of healing um, when it comes to the church and to ministry. So um, go ahead and watch this video. Did you catch that last line? Or he says, it never works. And then he goes, but what if it had? What if, what if it had? What, what, what if it had? You know, we live in, in a world where people like to take healing, um, and especially healing in the name of Jesus Christ, and turn it into a commodity, something to be sold. They like to turn it into something that, that you have to sort of pay to get admitted to, to receive some sort of healing. Um, we, we like to take healing and distort it and twist it sometimes, because we, we often want healing to look like what we want it to look like, and maybe not what God understands healing to be for us. Um, but we get this idea of healing in Christianity um, from Jesus. Jesus, um, especially in Mark's gospel, has a major part of his ministry was healing. And so what I want to do this morning is share with you uh, the first uh, story of healing. Actually, it's, it's two stories in one of healing in the gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Mar Mark chapter 1 beginning um, at verse 21. And where we're going to find Jesus is after he has been baptized and been out in the wilderness for 40 days, um, he comes back into town and he begins proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And that good news is that the kingdom of God has drawn near, that God's presence has drawn near. And so now it's time to repent and believe. It's time to repent and believe because the kingdom of God has drawn near. Then Jesus, he begins walking along the shore, the seashore in Galilee, and he begins to call disciples. He, he calls this group of people who begin to follow him. And then you get this episode in, in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. 
This is what it says there. Uh, they went to Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is a, um, a little tiny fishing village on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, most people think there would have been about 1,500 people that lived there in Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching. That's everybody in the synagogue. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then... There was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. And they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Now, let me tell you something about Galilee before we go any further. Jesus begins to get famous in this little town of Capernaum, where there's like 1,500 people that live. The region of Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles top to bottom, uh, from one end to the other, about 13 miles. Um, so Jesus begins to get fame and notoriety in this area around the Sea of Galilee, first for being an exorcist, somebody who casts demons out of people, because this episode happened in the synagogue at Capernaum. So that's what happens. Jesus exercises this demon from this man, and he is freed from the power of the demon and can go back to living his life. Then jump in at verse 29. So Jesus began, people began talking, people began talking about Jesus because of what happened there in the synagogue. Verse 29, as soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon, who is Peter, and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. Then check this out, verse 32. Then that evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. Can you imagine what it must have been like in that sleepy little fishing village of Capernaum on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee when Jesus started casting out demons, and healing people of their sickness. The whole town, the whole, all 1,500 people must have been talking about the stir that Jesus was calling over at Peter's house, at Simon's house, um, because his mom had been raised up from what seemed to be close to a near-death experience, this experience of a fever, which was more than just a fever that you get um, whenever you get a common cold. It's more like a fever that leads toward death is the implication you get from the text here, that she was on the edge of death running a fever, and Jesus comes in and heals this woman who was otherwise thought to be dead. I'm sure Capernaum was just buzzing about Jesus. And it's buzzing because no matter where you are, no matter what point in history or place in time that you may find yourself, there are always people who are in need of healing. There are people in need of healing right here in this place 
this morning. There are people in this space who are dealing with major, major stuff that's going on inside of their life, inside of their heart, inside of their mind, inside of their souls that needs healing. And so sometimes we come to places like this to worship, to receive the healing that we know is present here, the possibility of the healing that's present here through the power of God. We show up at church I show up at church at least, I hope you do, hoping to experience God's power in some new way and to continue to be healed from my brokenness and from my pain and from my past. Some of you need that sort of a healing this morning. You need to be healed from your sin. And that healing comes through Jesus Christ. Some of you need to be healed from past brokenness that you have. That healing can come through Jesus Christ and through the community of faith. Some of you need to be healed from very real physical things that are going on inside of you. I want to tell you that it's possible that God can heal you. I'm not telling you to just pray a prayer and not listen to the doctors. What I am telling you, though, is that healing is a very real part of what it means to follow after God, that you receive healing when we, you follow after God. Spiritual healing, physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing is real. And so what we have to begin to ask ourselves about Jesus is what do his healings in the New Testament, in the Gospels, have to do with us? Because healing is real and healing is available. But what does it have to do with us? I want you to think back about what it would mean to be sick in the ancient world. If you were sick during the time of Jesus, you were immediately cut off and shut out. If you were sick in the ancient world, it meant that you were someone who would be put out and away from everyone else because you were a danger to the community. So in, in order to protect the community... From whatever it was you had, whether it was leprosy or fever or malaria or whatever it is, disease that you might have, what people would do was they would take you, if you were the sick person, and put you outside of the city. They put you outside of the house. They put you out and away from everyone else or they would quarter you off in your room so that you couldn't come out because you were a danger. And so if you were sick, you had zero worth. To the community, you were completely cut off and shut out. Sickness separated you from the rest of your culture. Sickness had this very, very heavy social cost. It'd make you unable to earn a living, it'd make you unable to contribute to the household that you were living in, but it also destroyed your ability to take your proper role in the community. You see this with Simon's mother-in-law. Whenever Jesus goes into the house, what should have happened, Simon's mother-in-law's role, now this is in the ancient world, her role in the ancient world would be to offer hospitality to her guests, to offer hospitality to Jesus and to Simon, her son, and to Peter, James, and Andrew who were there along with him. That was her role. But she was sick, and so she was unable to fulfill that role. She was sick, so she wasn't able to do those things that would have given her a sense of value and a sense of self-worth. And so it's easy for us to think in our modern brains that you know, Jesus raises this woman up just so she can serve. 
But Jesus raises her up, not just so that she can serve, but so that she can be restored to community, so that she can be restored to her family, so she can be restored in her culture. She's freed from her fever so that she can be free for life with her family, life with her friends, life with her community, life with God. Jesus, when he heals her, he heals her for a purpose. He heals all of us for a purpose. I think sometimes when we're sick or we're suffering, we get tunnel vision. Do you know what tunnel vision is? Tunnel vision is is when you can't see out of the periphery of your eyes, so you can only see what's right in the very um, front field of your vision. You get tunnel vision whenever you suffer and you're in pain. You probably know this. If you've ever had a disease or you've had sort of a prolonged sickness or you've been in a broken relationship, you sort of get this tunnel vision and all you can see is your sick and your pain and your hurt and your fear and your brokenness and that's all you can see and all you experience is right inside that field of you for the world. And so all you can think about is how can I get out of this hurt? How can I get out of this pain? How can I be delivered from all of this stuff? And so when you hear about healing and we talk about healing in the church, the emphasis 99% of the time is on getting rid of the hurt and getting rid of the pain and getting rid of whatever it is that's holding us back from being who God has created us to be. But what we miss out on is the fact that God doesn't just free us from the things that hold us back and cause us pain. God frees us for a purpose. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? There's this one part of healing that has to do with ending pain and ending heartache and ending brokenness. But there's this other part of healing that has to do with becoming who you were created to be. Taking your place in the kingdom of God. Taking up your ministry. Some of you have been healed from some incredible pains in your life. I've got to tell you that that's not the end of your story of healing. If you're healed from incredible brokenness, it's for an incredible purpose. If you're healed from your sin, if you're forgiven of your sin, you're set forth for life. You're not just freed from the pain. You're not just freed from the burden. You're freed for a purpose and you're freed for a reason. And I believe that some of you this morning are here and you're waiting on healing to come. You're waiting on healing to happen in your mind or in your soul or in your body and you're just suffering. And that suffering is very real and that healing can take place here. Some of you though, you've been healed. And now you're whole. But you lack a sense of purpose. You can gain that sense of purpose that sense of mission, that sense of becoming who it is that you were created to be or do what it is you were created to do by turning your life over to Christ. Jesus heals us for a purpose. Jesus heals us and he heals us for a purpose. So this morning, the invitation to communion is is this. I hope that you would come to this table of grace, this table of God's presence, 
so that you might receive healing maybe for the first time or maybe the healing that you need to receive again. I hope that you will come to this table to receive from God the strength that you need, the healing that you need so that you can take up your purpose, your mission, your role, your place in God's kingdom and in God's work. We come to the table to receive from God. And we leave the table to share with the world that which we've received. It's interesting if you go on to read about the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection, they're the ones who go out into the world bring healing. They're the ones who go out in the world to free others in the name of Jesus Christ. So may you come this morning Receive God's grace and go back out into the world to share that which God has given you, that which God has freed you to be and to do. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we give you thanks for today. We give you thanks for the healing that you make real in our hearts and in our lives. And we ask now, God, that as we come toward this table of grace, Lord, that you would be present here with us, that we might experience your life flowing through us and in us, that your healing might be real. So we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So what can we say about healing? Healing is real because the power and presence of God is real. We're not healed for our own sake. We're healed so that we might be a part of the healing that God is bringing into the world. So would you hear this prayer this morning as we stand and and close this song? Y'all go ahead and stand up and we're gonna pray and sing and then be dismissed. Did you hear this prayer? Lord, heal us that we might be the healing that you are bringing to the world. Heal us that we might be sent out in your name. Keep us from trying to commodify healing, to profit from healing. But Lord, help us to heal unselfishly just as you have poured yourself out for us. So we pray in the name of Christ.